As I said before, we're at week three of learning how everything belongs to God. In the first week, I covered how we are needing that conversion from ownership to stewardship. We looking after someone else's stuff, just to put that really simply. Last week, Lynn discussed things like how tithing needs to be a whole life thing, even a spiritual practice. So today then, in week three, we get to explore our motivation for giving to God through the church. With me so far? See how it's developing? So in other words, the golden question of today is, well, why should I? Why should I do such a thing? I'm sure we've all noticed how over the last particularly decade, perhaps it started a little bit before that, how motivational speaking has almost become an industry on its own. It's this thing that if I've overcome something, I've simply got to tell you how you can overcome it too. Not to belittle what they do, some of them are really good, but there's libraries now available on telling us how we can overcome problems. There's libraries available of people who are saying, hey, I did this, maybe you can too. Do you know what? That's not a new thing, because it's actually a model of how we need to witness to each other of the gospel. I've discovered my relationship with Jesus. It's developing. Why don't you too? But that's another topic altogether. Can you remember, and I'm sure some of you do, that when we were kids, motivation motivational speakers weren't a thing yet. So we were motivated quite simply by the swift application of the hand of knowledge to the seat of learning. It was all the motivation we needed to know that we had to get on and do things right. But when we look at the broader picture, we can understand that for people like us, motivation comes from two sources. A need. We need water. That's why Gordon went and fetched it for me, because I'm getting a bit dry. We need food. We need shelter. Things like that are our needs. So we're motivated to get those things. And then there's wants. We want a new car. So clever people start to put into plan a scheme of how they can afford that new vehicle. We want the latest clothing. So we open a clothing account. No, not quite the same thing. But needs and wants motivate what we do. As parents, 
we work hard so the next generation, our children, don't have to struggle like we do. I know that I live a better lifestyle than my parents did. And hopefully our children will know the same when their time comes. So, in a perfect world, we accumulate to provide. As followers of Jesus, we are learning if everything belongs to God, therefore God gives us everything we need. Therefore, what we accumulate beyond our needs is given so that we can help the broader community. Because we've used it for what God gave it to us for. If there's more, we give it to the broader community. In a simplified statement, almost bumper sticker theology, we can say that we're blessed to be a blessing. We accumulate to provide. When we look a little closer, we uncover that giving back to God, because that's what it is, giving back to God is actually an act of worship. Now listen carefully. If our stewardship is an outward sign, manifest sign, of what God is doing in us, in our spiritual relationship, then surely giving to God through the church, call it tithing, give it whatever name you like, but giving to God through the church is a sacramental practice. In other words, we should approach it the same way as we do. Communion, baptism, things like that. In cultic spirituality, we could call it a thin space. Now thin spaces are where the divine pierces through the veil. And in our ordinary mundane world, we get glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. Communion ought to be a thin space. A special moment of praise is definitely a thin space. When we witness healing, when we are with the terminally ill, places like that are thin spaces. So, our approach to giving, it needs to be a little different. Hey? It's not, oh jeepers, I've got to give something to the church. It's not, hey, i got a bonus, so now I can afford to give something to the church. Those are transactions, not acts of worship. So, our purest motivation if you like, our, our strongest desire from within us for giving should be to return to God what is God's without a thought to personal reward of any sort. We give because we give. We're not giving for something in return. Unfortunately, it's not true for everybody. 
Some folk might be Herkel-Durkel members. What on earth am I saying? Eh? And listen, you might be one of them. Eh? You might be a Herkel-Durkel. It's a 200-year-old Scottish term. That means lounging in bed long after it's time to get up and get going. So perhaps we're a Herkel Durkel member. Never giving a serious thought to giving to the church. Because it all works. And it works wonderfully. So surely they don't need my little contribution. Then there are those who would only give time, talent and money to the church for a cause that would impact them directly. Just a bizarre example, we're only likely to contribute to an access ramp for the foyer, a wheelchair access ramp for the foyer, if we are close to being in a wheelchair ourselves or know somebody directly who's in a wheelchair. Silly example, but it rings, doesn't it? From the age of 13 through to the age of 17, my classmates and I contributed diligently for a swimming pool to be built at our high school. When was it built? The last week of finals. Great, guys, thank you. We thought we were giving to a cause that would affect us directly. So we deliberately went after we were supposed to have left and swam. Some might only give if they know that their family name is going to be placed in a position of honor. So anyone who walks past can say, oh, look what the Smith family did. The Smith Auditorium. So generations to come will know how much we loved God. See, we built that. The worst motivation of giving, though, of all of them, is what I call the Mafia Syndrome. You might know some people give massive monetary gifts to the church beyond probably what any of us could afford. But we give those massive monetary gifts to the church for the sake of the church being blind and silent on our sin. One of the reasons for the Reformation, incidentally. Are you one of those givers, perhaps? We learn from what we read from Jesus' words that humility ought to be the most powerful motivator. I'm giving so you can benefit. 
In the message, that same passage reads like this. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no self-help at all. Sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? It's quite powerful, eh? There's a bit more of a sting to it. When our one desire is to glorify God, then all selfish reasons for giving or not giving fall away. Our motivation becomes giving so that the kingdom of heaven can grow. And we see evidence of kingdom growth. You want to pop in here on a Wednesday or a Friday morning? And see people willingly giving up their time to feed others? You want to come around on a Tuesday night when Meg goes out to the street folk with her team? That's kingdom growth. Those are real things happening in this world that are evidence of the kingdom of heaven. Remember that our material blessings are only achieved as a result of us using our God-giving abilities. We use those abilities to generate income, we accumulate income, we use these blessings to provide for our children's needs, and when that is done, we offer our benefits to the greater community. How many of you can recite Psalm 23 in your heads? Just about every one of us, because we've learned it since we were six. It reminds us that our shepherd provides every need. Eh? In that opening line, I shall not be in want. In Matthew 6, Jesus reminds us to always seek first the kingdom. Then all things are added. So when our motivation for giving is the growth of the kingdom, giving as an act of worship becomes the most natural thing we can do. Because it's an extension of our relationship with Jesus. Think about that. There are not times when I can say, I'm not a husband and a father. Wherever I am, I'm always a husband and a father. And my life experience is lived in such a way. Wherever we are, we are children of the living God. We cannot not be children of the living God, ever. So our giving to the kingdom of God becomes a natural expression of that. We give to God as a revelation of our character. Again, that outward sign of something that's happening inside. We learn from Jesus that how we manage our temporal wealth, so how we manage our things in this world, 
are a very strong indicator of how we will manage treasuries in heaven. Are you a hoarder or a sharer? Anybody that's ever had to pack up a home and move realizes how much of a hoarders we actually are. Every single one of us. But when it comes to the things of heaven, are you a hoarder or a sharer? A real life lesson is that selfishness will always kill a relationship and a church. Humility will always build a relationship and a church. We have a wonderful freedom given us through Jesus. It's a freedom to participate in the mission of the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. We don't have to wait till we're there to be agents of the kingdom of heaven. When we give without expecting reward, when we love just because we can, when we give so someone else can benefit and then forget that we have given, we are living contrary to the systemic culture of the world. Doesn't the world teach us what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? How can I gain from this situation? That's the lesson the world teaches us. So my friends, when you are giving selflessly, you are actually giving and living contrary to the model of this world. You're a secret agent of heaven. When we compete with our neighbor for wealth, when our life is not focused on the kingdom, when we think only of the here and now, then there's obstacles in the way, aren't there, of how we can give freely. When we develop a need to accumulate and spend in a perpetual spiral, that spiral only ever, ever leads to burnout and exhaustion. And that burnout in itself describes a form of eternal death. But we can overcome such obstacles to giving by prayerfully leaning into the grace of the Holy Spirit, the wonderful power of God. God promises to supply every need. And we place our trust there and not in our own ability. These are hard things to do. They really are. When we know that God will fulfill God's promises, even though we might not see those promises materializing, we are demonstrating a deep, deep faith relationship and trust in things beyond our seeing. Then we're learning to live as stewards not as owners. Because we know that material goods are temporary. But kingdom values are eternal. So what am I saying this morning? 
to put it in a paragraph? May the eternal hand of heavenly wisdom be applied to our seat of learning. Because we don't want to be in a spiritual herkle-durkle. We want to contribute to the growth of the kingdom of heaven. That's where we are. That's where our heart needs to be. Amen.